Welcome to the Podcast of Power. We are talking about the Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, Episode 3, Adar. Of course, I am Mike White, your host. Joining me is the mostest with the hostess. What? Chris Dashu. Take me to the one they call Adar. We have talking orcs in this episode. I'm so happy. Talking orcs that can't stand the sun. Oh, right. But they I was waiting for one of them to ask about maggoty bread. <laughs> for three stinking days. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we are continuing our walk through a whole lot of different storylines. And I think the one that gets the most play is Galadriel at Numenor. That feels like it takes up a lot of the time. And yeah, we've got a lot of castle intrigue type stuff going on here. Stuff about a king that we don't see. A friend of the elf. Uh, Yeah. Wow. Uh, What'd you think of this episode, Chris? So we're finally getting into the part of this show where they're introducing characters now that we have ostensibly heard of. So I mentioned in the last episode, oh, that's Isildur at the end of the second episode. Apparently I'm wrong. That's Elendil Isildur's father, which again, if you've seen The Fellowship of the Rings, which if you haven't. How are you watching this show? I know. Weird. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you've seen that at the beginning of that movie, the king gets murdered by Sauron. Isildur cuts off Sauron's fingers. Lose, he loses the ring of power. Every, I mean, we this old hat at this point. So that's a main part of this. And we have not, again, in film medium, seen these characters walking, talking, doing anything more than Kay Blanchett narrating. So it's interesting. I was it's Game of Thrones, but doesn't have that nasty edge that Game of Thrones does. And that's again, George R. R. Martin was kind of taking the piss out of J.R.R. Tolkien in a way. Tolkien's very not wholesome, but not Martin. And Martin's like the opposite of that. It's a little bit more real, a little less fantastical. I haven't seen one episode of Game of Thrones, so I'm going to buy which I find immensely that. interesting. Like, I would be curious what your take on that show would be as someone who loves Lord of the Rings as much as you do. Because, again, like, you know, you and I are close in age, but you read these books growing up. Oh, yeah. So, like, you have this, like, leg up on me with the amount of, like, time you've spent with this narrative. And I would be curious to see, like, what your take would be on something that, like, its intent almost is in a lot of ways as a subversive response to Tolkien. I mean, J.R.R., you know, J. George R.R. Martin's R.R. Where do I mean, that is in reference to Tolkien. That's intentional. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, Martin has gone on, has spouted his mouth off about plenty of Tolkien stuff recently. Like Gandalf should have stayed dead. Like, I don't, we don't care guy. Like, shut up. Come on. Why don't you get busy working on that last book, buddy? There's another show on right now that's taking up way too much of his time and that this show is being compared to almost damn near constantly. I don't think I can read an article about this show without them talking about House of House of the Dragon. Well, we're not going to talk about House of the Dragon. Thank God. If you no. want to hear Chris talk about House of Dragon, go over to Game of Bros. You can hear him talk all about that. Right, but yeah. over here... We're talking about some Tolkien-esque type stuff. Esque, I think. Esque. There's some esque. There is some esqueness in this episode, I think. Yeah. 
So I've heard of Numenor, and this is the first time I believe we get to see it, this little island kingdom over here to the west of Middle-earth, and that's where we end up with Galadriel and what's the name of this other guy? Uh, Valinor, I think it is. Halbrand. Halbrand, thank Definitely you. Definitely not the Witch King of Angmar. No, no, he's not. At I, least not yet. <laughs> not yet, but... Um, Everything with his character felt like it. You've never seen Game of Thrones, but yet I would contend that scene that takes place in the alleyway with his character is Game of Thrones in its presentation, Mm. especially the scene where the guy's arm gets snapped. I don't know what this show's obsession with bone breaking is, but they (laughs) they I I noticed in the intro to this episode, they re-showed the. Ankle snapping with the hobby. Yes. What the fuck? <laughs> and I was thinking I to myself, to I was like, that. I was thinking to myself, I can't wait to talk about this with Mike because I know how much he didn't like it. This yes. is the first time we saw it. But then in this episode, a guy gets his arm braced up against a door jam and then snapped backwards. And you get to see the whole thing in like brutal CGI special effects. And like that is Game of Thrones-esque. That has really no, like there's nothing like that in any of the Lord of the Rings stuff that we've seen. Even that ankle thing was a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty brutal. Like that scene with Halbrand and those kind of Numenorians who are telling him to get out, you know, make Numenor great again. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else that's in reference to, but they're saying things like, first you come for our jobs. And it's like, oh my God. Yeah, they took our jobs. Yeah, yeah, they took our jobs. What's next? Our women? Like, oh, fucking give me a break. <laughs> yeah, this whole thing of like evil coming from the South. I'm just like, you mean like Mar-a-Lago? What? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so in the story, The Lord of the Rings, the Southlands become Mordor. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. The Southlands are where Mount Doom is. Mount Doom explodes, turning that whole area into Mordor. That's coming in this season. I have not watched any of the previews, anything, and I do not watch the coming next week stuff. Really? Either. I just, I am watching these episodes. Interesting. That's it. I stayed away specifically from the previews. The only thing I saw was that teaser that we talked about last week, the one with the uh, the metal, the molten Which metal. Which I never even things. saw. Oh. I actually didn't watch any of the promotional stuff for this until like people were like, like I was reading things online, which I shouldn't be doing, but find yeah. myself doing anyways. But, you know, but again, the, the whole thing about this show that I think I wasn't expecting, and I don't think they did a very good job of letting the audience know how dark this show probably is going to get. Because mm-hmm. I think this show is going to get pretty dark. Uh, oh, I mean, it's the rise of evil, you know, it right. should get dark. Yeah. Right. And it's the rise of evil with, with there. I mean, the evil does die at the end. So we do know. I mean, again, like th- that happens in the fellowship. Like this is not anyone spoiling anything, right. you know, like that. That happens at the beginning of the fellowship movie. That's already happened in the books by the time we get to that story. So, yeah, we know where this is going. But, yeah, this is like the rise and the vanquishing of evil. Because, I mean, I'm assuming the people who fought Sauron initially, when they when they passed on at the end of their lives, they didn't assume Sauron would come back again. Right. Right. (laughs) Nobody did for twenty five hundred years almost. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's it feels so foreign, but it does feel very familiar. You know, I I don't know how else to explain it. Like Numenor feels weird, but at the same time, it does feel kind of Gondor-esque. Well, tell me, because we were confused over here watching it, and I've watched this episode a couple times. 
because I was a little confused because of the white tree. What's going on with the white tree in Numenor? Because I'm like, wait, there's a white tree in Gondor. I believe the white tree from Numenor gets uprooted and planted or a seed from it is planted in Gondor. Oh, that my. tree comes to the 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 to Middle Earth. It's okay. like this way the story is so weird to me because it's like a lot of the stuff that's happening like we see it in the context of those other movies and nothing is made of it. Mm-hmm. Like, the, you know, we're seeing this imagery and we're seeing these other things And here. It's like, no, no, here's the tree. And the tree is just, this is the original tree. And I believe that that tree is a tree from a seed from the tree that was in Valinor to begin with. Right. Okay. So, but the thing is with Numenor is the Numenorians, like they mentioned in this episode, they were given the Island because they sided with the elves and they helped the elves defeat Morgoth. But the humans didn't side with the elves, but these humans did. But something has happened that they have now rejected the elves and drove the king out, basically. Now he's a prisoner in his own tower because they dislike the elves so much or something. And I'm like, all right, we got to find out what's going on here, why the elves are no longer welcome here. Right. And I don't know. It seems like we're not going to figure that out. Right. We okay. don't figure it out in this episode. Not in this episode. No. But I I mean, it seems like at the end of this episode, they're setting it up for them to leave Galadriel and Isildur and uh, Elendil and I guess his daughter as well. So yeah. they're setting that up for them to leave to go to Middle Earth. At least Isildur is going to take him. But again, we know where they end up. So we know Elendil has to get to Middle Earth somehow at some point. Well, and it's weird, too, because of this whole thing of the daughter reapplying for some sort of guild ship or something. And she got it now. And the father's like, well, they never reconsider anybody. I was like, okay. Is there like weird political things going on behind the scenes? Because then also at the very end, when the queen is like, the elf has come and it's like, all right, is this a prophecy that you're talking about now? And the show is so again, like a lot of this stuff, I don't want to say too much because it's covered in the Silmarillion. Like some of the stuff is like not these. So like that House of the Dragon show, the the show, the things that the reason these shows are so easily compared right now is because they're both drawing from source material events, not source material dialogue and character dialogue. And does that make sense there? Those those events are described in the books, but Mm. it's like a couple sentences. They're like taking this and like blowing this into a season or two's worth of, of story arc. So there are things happening in Numenor that are you, if you've read the source material, you know where it's going. And Mm. I believe these things that they're kind of slowly dripping out to us as the audience are in that direction. So I don't want to like spoil too much for you as someone who hasn't seen and or read some of the more extensive stuff because the new like Numenor and everything like I believe I know where this is going and it's going to be interesting because again they don't talk about Galadriel's part in this because that's not mentioned in any of this. So her being there is not not that it's not possible. I guess again it is theoretically possible, but it's not mentioned in the source material that she's there. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it was nice that they had that painting with uh, Elrond in there. And that's the only time we get to see Elrond in this episode. Yeah, because... I was a little disappointed. Yeah, I was a little disappointed as well. And also no Bronwyn and her son kind of thing. And it was, I mean, really, it's 
this episode feels like it's very much in three parts. There's the Galadriel stuff going on in Numenor. There's uh, catching up with the Harfoots. And then there is a lot of stuff. And I, I feel terrible because I still don't know this elf's name. Arondir. Thank you. Arondir. All of the things with the orcs and just him uh, trying to escape from this. And I was very surprised that he didn't. But then I guess now we have the introduction of Adar coming up uh, with the, the next episode. But yeah, this is weird. I don't know what's going on with these um what these orcs are having all of these people digging for and what they're doing. And it feels like they've been doing this for a long time because you can see at one point there's a, a, a long shot and you can see all of the like tents that they've built up along this long path that they're doing. And he says that they're having them dig for something. And I'm like, okay, what is it that they're looking for? Definitely not the ring of power. No. Yeah, of course. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. I have no earthly idea. No middle earthly idea? No middle earthly idea. Zero. I have no idea what they could be digging for. Again, Mm. I'm not the most well-versed on the uh, lore, but again, I'm not sure any of this has lore in its background. I don't think Adar is a completely new character. Right. So, again, the show, we know who the main baddie of this show is, but we can't expect that they're not going to have, like, sub-villain characters throughout the show's run. Even though, again, like, ostensibly we know who the bad guy of the show is going to be. We know where this, again, we don't know maybe where the show ends, but we know the end game of the final season of this show. Right. For sure. But there's got to be like smaller, weird villains in between now and then, because again, I, I I feel like it would get really boring if it was just Sauron over and over. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing that I like about uh, the, the Lord of the Rings, the, the movies is, you know, you've got Wormtongue and you've got Sauron and, you know, you've got the, well, the Witch King of Angmar and all of these other villains. And it's like, even the, the guy who looks like Harvey Weinstein, the, uh, the orc at the end, it's like, he kind of shows up in the third movie and it's like, well, you could have been in here a lot more. And he's a lot better of a villain than that guy with the one arm from the Hobbit movies. Anything's better than those CGI <sighs> nightmares. And, and you know what? Again, back to this show, all of these orcs seemingly prosthetics, seemingly yeah. makeup. And man, they look really good. They look good. They sound really good as well. Their voices are terrific. Somebody said, you know what? That whole weird accent. I mean, it's a New Zealander accent or Australian mm-hmm. accent. That down under accent that the orcs had in the previous installments of this series. Great. I mean, that's, yeah. I, that's what I, you know, I would contend probably one of the reasons Hobbit didn't work. They never really let those orcs talk. They were only, yeah. they were always speaking orc, orcish, the orc language. Mm-hmm. They were never interacted with him in any substantive way. But man, I mean, that those first three movies, you know, man, man flesh meets back on the menu, boys, like a lot of there's a lot of really memorable lines and performances from the orcs. So we're seeing it again here. It's like a return to form in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm curious because I know there's that whole idea of what orcs are fallen elves or mm-hmm. something corrupted elves. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to play a part in this or if the whole thing with Adar is going to kind of sweep that under the rug or what's going on. But 
Yeah, this whole thing of them not being able to stand stand the sun, that's to me more trollish, I suppose, though the trolls turn to rock when you expose them to sunlight. So, yeah, yeah, I'm very curious where they're going to go with all of these orcs. And they do, like we said last week, they seem like a threat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they seem like a threat here. I mean, you have a Rondir seemingly get the upper hand on them several times, but ultimately, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And some of that is brutal. When the one guy gets the axe in the back, I was like, oh, that's not good. And I knew when he got up to the top and the guy was just standing there, I was like, oh, he's got a big old arrow in the chest. And Boromir style. Yeah, he gets Boromir pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. But again, like I was really not expecting the show to be this dark. No. And like it's it's pretty. Yeah, it's it has a pretty interesting violent edge to it that I'm not saying that the original Lord of the Rings didn't have it, but the original Lord of the Rings was rather bloodless. And this isn't bloodless. I mean, there's decapitations and severings of arms and legs in the original Lord of the Rings. At least there's heads getting cut off in the first movie. The the big Orakai gets his head cut off. I mean, there mm-hmm. I mean, there's plenty of bloodshed in that second movie with Helm's Deep and in the third movie with Minas Tirith, but it's rather bloodless. And in this, it's not. And I I appreciate that in a way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that. And even the the Harfoots are pretty um, hardcore when it comes to this whole thing of like. You're going to be in the back of the caravan, and if you can't keep up, uh, here's a whole list of all the people that couldn't keep up before, and they're basically assumed to be dead. They, we, you know, we we have uh, people in the back of the caravan; they don't make it all the time. So here, let's read a whole list of folks that we just don't see anymore. Right? If you, I guess, yeah the the back of the caravan is the is the death knell if you're part of the Harfoot community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, again. I I wondered how they were going to tackle these characters of the hobbits, because, again, we know we know that these hobbits esque characters are where the, you know, the final characters, the hobbits, these kind of like mild mannered hobbits end up. But these are not mild mannered characters in any like stretch of the imagination, which I Mm -hmm. really appreciate. But I'd be curious to see like where if we see it during this show or if it's just implied that over time they softened. But I would love to again, like don't they don't soften, though, but they kind of do, because in the original movies, they're like, you know, we don't want to get involved in in the in the in the, you know, the acts of the people out in the world. Well, Bilbo's more concerned about his mother's China and his tea towels than anything else when they first meet him. Yeah. 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 Don't steal my spoon, Sackville Bagginses. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where those characters are going. I don't even, I'm still, I'm not even sure if that can character is Gandalf now. I'm, I don't, uh, per the mythology of Tolkien, it, it can't be Gandalf. Right. Right. I mean, we know that much, but like it could be one of the blue wizards. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that character's Gandalf anymore. I still say it's Tom Bombadil, but you know, to God, I guess it could be. <laughs> it could be until it's not. I mean, right, right. Any, any, any theory is as good as another at this point until they say one way or the other. This whole thing of um, it was interesting because Lenny Henry is doing almost the same thing that Elrond did in the first episode where he's looking for the right words to say. You know, Elrond was providing a script basically to the king of the elves and here you have Lenny Henry 
trying to figure out what he's going to say in the next scene to the rest of the Harfoot. So I was like, oh, that's kind of a nice little parallel that they have here. Him trying to come up with the whole like full carts, full bellies type of thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I, I'm enjoying these characters. I, I'm curious to see where this goes. I was really glad when uh, they finally exposed Faux Gandalf or Tom Bombadil to the rest of the the, the group and that, um, uh, what's her name, Nori, that she didn't uh, rat out her friend. I was like, oh, that's good. You know, she took the rap there. That was good. I, you know, I was going to say, like, I'm, I'm really starting to enjoy all the performances in this show. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, from... You know, like you mentioned Lenny Henry already, and the the girl who plays Nori is really good. She like has a lot. lot of, you know who she reminds me of a lot, and I'm sure it's intentional. She has those Fellowship of the Ring, Elijah Wood vibes. Oh, yeah. She's yeah. very, like, lit, very, I don't know. She just, you know, if you see her, if you're watching this show, if Frodo is not what comes to mind almost immediately, then maybe the show's not doing as good of a job with it for for you as it is for me. But when I was all I could see every time they showed her in this episode was like, it's just they're doing the Frodo thing. Well, she's got those big eyes that right. they're focusing on quite a bit as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I also really like L- Lloyd Owen, who we just have only had to see in this episode as well as Elendil. He's again a different kind of character than I was expecting. Um, also Lloyd Owen, super nice guy. I, I was thinking like he looked really familiar. I talked to him like the longest time ago for really? a found for a found footage movie called Apollo 18, where like he's like an oh, astronaut wow. that goes to the moon and it's like the lat like why did we never hear about the last moon landing? It's because of aliens on the moon. It's actually kind of fun, but he's really he's a cool dude, super sweet guy. I'm glad that he has again a role in this show because he's one of the main he is one of the main characters. But he's actually I mean the characters we get introduced to in this episode, I already like them. Like Maxim Baldry as Isildur his introduction is very interesting. Not what I was mm-hmm. expecting for that character written very differently from what my expectations were with what I know of the character as someone who has read a little bit of the backstory. Yeah. It's kind of nice because I, you know, I don't know that much Lord of the Rings, definitely not compared to you. And I would think that my wife might know less than me, but she's watched the movies, you know, a thousand times as well. And it was kind of nice when Isildur got introduced. She's like, oh, Isildur. And I was like, okay, yeah, good. You you remember. Right. (laughs) Well, and again, like there are very, there have been very few kind of points of reference that you can go back to if you have not read I mean, even the books, but any of the other like source material or lore stuff, there has been very few characters to latch on to other than really Galadriel and maybe Gandalf, Mm -hmm. whatever the stranger is or whoever he is. But like with the introduction of Isildur and Elendil, you kind of have these characters that you at least know where they're going to end up. And you know that Isildur has interaction with something that shows up in those original movies. He interacts with the one ring. He is the reason all of this happens, which is such a sad thing because again, like that's, you know, where this story is ultimately going. It's, you know, the, the will of men fails and Isildur is the one whose will fails for all of us. His will fails is the way it's at least put by Elrond. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you want the best for the guy. Cause he seems like a very, decent dude at least right. in this episode and like i'm very curious about 
him looking off in the distance and hearing the woman's voice calling his name. It's like, Oh, what, what's going on with that? Yeah. He, well, and again, it's, it's, it's this whole idea of there's like a, he's faded. Right. And they, they kind of, I mean, Elendil kind of hints at it as such the way he talks to Galadriel. It's like, you know, you still have friends here. You know, my name means elf friend. And it's like, okay. So like you're, I see where this is going. And I like that the show is kind of being, very obvious but i think with a show that has a its feet firmly rooted in like deep source material Mm -hmm. for a series that a lot of people have only a casual surface level appreciation of because again those jackson movies don't really get into the nitty-gritty which i think is the benefit of those movies Mm -hmm. they never slow down to exposition dump really which is such a shock given how much stuff goes on. Yeah, I think the closest we get to that is those uh, voiceovers from Galadriel where it kind of ties us together, which I'm I'm fine for. You know, I, I, I like how every once in a while we'll take a little pause and she'll give us a little, you know, hey, here's what's going on. And I'm like, all right, cool. That, that's cool. But it doesn't feel like doesn't feel like an exposition dump no but again like that i think was one of the issues with those original movies that people were always worried about was how do you tell this story that has this much backstory and like working parts under the surface without pulling that back and explaining every single one it's like we'll just ignore it like not ignore it but like that's not what's important it's the action that's important and why the characters are doing what they're doing now none of the old history of middle earth is important and a lot of the stuff that they cut out in those movies is stuff that just enriches the backstory of the events of the movies it doesn't even Mm -hmm. really get into exposition on its own some of the scenes do but a lot of it's just stuff from the books and that stuff's not really about the previous world like the previous world stuff is really the fact that they they have to put it at the beginning of fellowship makes sense but they're not doing a lot of that even in the book no the book is all about that whole journey to destroy the ring. Uh-huh. Jackson had to put that stuff at the beginning of the movie to give you a idea of where this is taking place and the world that you're about to step into. And I think that this show is still doing a pretty good job of giving the audience drip, 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 drip of new stuff, but still building this world that we're kind of just getting used to. Cause yeah, we're in a new place again, uh-huh. the third or fourth new place of this show in as many episodes. Yeah. And who knows where the Harfoots are going to end up. Right. Because now they're on the move again. And the stranger is the only reason that the the Brandyfoots are not going to get eaten by God knows what. By the bees, I guess. God. Yeah. The bees can kill you here even. And then I'm curious as far as where uh, our elf friend is, because he doesn't know this whole thing of like, he was carried here. I'm guessing that all of the people from that village that was destroyed i think they're all in this place as well so whatever you know all these orcs moving all these people in order to do this manual labor it's like but he doesn't know where he's at he's like you know once somebody gets up to the top of this hill run like hell and send back a legion and we'll take over but for now they don't know what's happening yeah and i also like that they uh revealed what that symbol means Oh, that was nice. Yeah. Because it was, and that was hiding in plain sight. Right. Which I appreciated. Again, like I hadn't even thought of that. I'm sure that there are, you know, plenty of people online and or smarter than me watchers of the show realized it. But yeah, I mean, I guess that symbol is just signifying where to go in the Southlands mm-hmm. to meet, I guess. All the orcs are convening. And again, yeah. we, we know we, 
we know that given where the show ends up, given what happens with the Southlands and turning into Mordor. Like we know, we know where that's going, but it's nice that this is like, we're so far removed from that, that this is like the, the Southlands are where the Harfoots are running around, right. yeah. which is like scary to think about knowing where we know this is going to go. Like, where are they going to go? Cause if they don't get out of there, like, you know, there's not going to be much left for them to stick around for. So again, like it, it's interesting because Again, I didn't realize that maybe that's why the hobbits are where they are is because of what happens in the Southlands. Right. Because if memory serves, the the Shire is upper left-hand corner of the map of Middle Earth. Like, uh, I don't know what, I don't know if we compare Middle Earth to like the United States or something, but basically they'd be up near um, uh, Washington and um, uh, Idaho, those kind of things. And again, like, you know, yeah, it's, for those of us that are trying to like place where this world is that we've seen before, but not in this like state that it's in, it's interesting to see, yeah, the Southlands before it became Mordor or, you know, it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm appreciating that this show is really kind of just taking its time Mm because realistically we've only gotten, we've only gotten like five, six scenes with Nori like overall so far in the show, like with a Rondir, we've gotten like maybe five scenes. Like it's really throwing its net rather wide. And we're still in the growing phase of this show. We're still getting oh, yeah. new characters introduced. And I'm curious, like we, if we're going to be having new characters introduced all the way until the final episode of this season, or is there going to be like a moment where, all right, the pieces are on the board and now we're going to start moving them around. And like, I'm, I'm curious if the next episode is that moment or not, because it's got to get there at some point this season. Yeah. I mean, we did take those breaks in Lord of the Rings to move to here's what Saruman is up to. Here's what uh, Wormtail's up to, those kind of things. But, or what's our Wormtail? I'm in Harry Potter land. Wormtongue is up to, but they're very few and far between. We really dealt with our heroes more than our villains. I'm curious if they're going to focus on some of the villains a little bit more in this episode, in this season. Yeah. Well, and I, I hope so because again, like this episode is titled, Adar, you know, Adar, the character that they show at the end of the episode. And yeah, I mean, it looks to me that he's an elf. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm almost wondering if maybe he fell from the sky too, but he would have had to have fallen a long time beforehand. Right. But and yeah, he's Adar is an elvish word, I think. Yeah. Which means father, I think. So, and he's played by, uh, again, once again, another uh, Game of Thrones connection. He's played by uh, Benjamin Stark's uh, J- Joseph Mowley. Mowley? Yeah, Mowley. And he's uh, he's one of those actors that was in like the first season of Game of Thrones and then they like, forgot about his character until the second to last season showed up once and that was it. So yes. he might have that similar kind of role in this show. I don't know. Maybe he'll be a season long villain, but they did a good job of setting him up as kind of the leader of whatever's going on here with the orcs. And again, like there's a level of intrigue here that again, I, it's not that I didn't have it with the original movies, but you know where those stories are going. There's very little intrigue to be had unless you just genuinely don't know the narrative and you don't know that Gandalf's going to come back and you don't know that Gollum goes into Mount Doom with the ring. Like there are some things in that that if you don't know that narrative, those are surprising. But in I really like that in this is like, yeah, even as someone who has read the books in the Silmarillion, like even I am glad that it's like they're introducing things that I 
no idea. I'm just as much exactly. along for the ride as you are. Yeah, I don't need to see how all the puzzle pieces fit together before, you know, the puzzle was built. It's just like, yeah. no, no, just take me on a ride. Uh, that's what I want. Right. And the best kinds of these stories, you know, like the best Star Wars stories where they go back and they're giving the characters, you know, stuff that they did in between because now like well you know like between return of the jedi and whatever like you have plenty of stories there to mine for any of those characters for the comic books that you want to tell for han solo what he was up to between return of the jedi and the force awakens like that's a long period of time but again i praise i cannot give this show enough praise for setting it thousands of years ahead of time yeah thank goodness yeah, because it's still paying off dividends with this show. Like, it really is. Because the things feel really familiar, but at the same time, they feel so just a little tweak different. That, again, you know, even though we've seen these orcs before and we've seen the hobbits before, they're different enough that you're like, oh, okay, I'm I'm, I'm on board. And, I, I, you know, I know we said we weren't going to talk about it, but, like, the hate for this show, I just, I don't get it. I like, don't get it either. I mean, I get it from like a theoretical standpoint, like you're taking something that I love and you're expounding upon it in a way that maybe is less than your perception of respectful towards that source material. But the show itself is not bad. Yeah. I mean, really, what can men do against such reckless hate? (laughs) (laughs) It's so dumb i mean uh, yeah because we're both on the same reddit groups and it's just like what what is your fucking problem man like people are just losing their fucking minds about this yeah it's just it's just a tv show it's a relatively well-made tv show i don't think people would be getting as upset if it wasn't amazon i think the whole amazon connection makes it a little easier for people to shit on because it's more like oh we're taking our kind of we're taking our two cent pot shot at Bezos as opposed to really taking a pot shot at the show. Right. Cause everybody who made the show, they had the, the source materials, best intentions in mind. You know, it's, it's clear to me, this show is not being made cheaply. The show is not being made poorly. The show has good writing and good performances. If this show looked like shit and the people who were performing weren't invested then i would agree it is a bad show because it's again the last six seven and eight years of game of thrones were expensive tv those seasons of westworld that you don't like are expensive tv just because it's expensive and it's being made by a big studio doesn't mean it's going to be good but you like you can hate on this show all you want for whatever reason, but don't say it's a bad show because it's not a bad show. It's maybe just not doing the source material, the service and lip service and strict fucking religious devotion that so many people expect of this kind of show. It's an expectation thing. That's all this boils down to. Yeah. Just get them under control, folks. You know, you should have already been disappointed enough by The Hobbit that you shouldn't be looking forward to anything. (laughs) Right. Again, like, you know, If that's where people want to really, if this is the hill people want to die on, I'm just glad that we're getting more Lord of the Rings in 2022. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I am going to be that guy who says, I'm glad that we're getting more content of something I love. And hopefully this show continues to be good because this episode, yeah, we don't get to see my favorite part of the show so far, but I'm still on board and I still really like this show. I'm still enjoying this show immensely. You were asking a lot of questions. It's a, it's, it's, this is a build up episode. This is a oh, setup yeah. episode. Yeah. And honestly, this has been the weakest of the first three episodes, I think. 
I will agree with you just because we don't get very many answers in this. I described it to, to Andrea as a connector episode. You know, we're just yeah. moving from point A to point B. We'll get more uh, Elrond next episode, I'm sure. We'll, we'll just keep moving those pieces around. And that's right. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with us moving these pieces on this chessboard as long as we're moving in the right directions. Right. And and again, like that, you know, it's it's funny because this is really mirroring Game of Thrones that first season very hard where it's like we're going to introduce you to the core characters in that first episode and then the second and third and probably fourth, maybe even fifth episode. We're going to send them out into the world where they're going for the rest of the season. And then probably right at the end of the season, maybe the last or second to last episode, we'll take them out of that setting to set them up where they're going to be at the beginning of next season. Yeah. But like, that's like, that's so game of Thrones. Cause that's exactly what that show did. And I feel like it's, and again, I feel like this show is going that way and there's nothing wrong with that. Cause that show was immensely successful in its first season, first couple seasons. And if that's where this is going, like, cool, because the characters they've introduced are interesting. The situations that they put them in are hopefully going to pay off in interesting ways. And yeah, we've got four more years of this. So at least we know that the story is in its infancy now and it can only continue to expand. And at some point they'll have to stop expanding. But like where they go next, I don't know. I don't know. It's exciting, though. And to your point from either last episode or the episode before, I mean, at least they have a plan for five years and then out they go. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to worry about whether or not Adar is going to be a villain for the next three seasons. He's probably not going to be. He might not even be past two episodes from now. So, yeah. But that's again, I don't watch a lot of TV live for this reason, because it's like a lot of what's a lot of prognosticating. Yeah. And a lot of these shows where these kinds of not this show, the show that we're watching, but this kind of podcast show, a lot of the time is spent on prognosticating. What do we think is going to happen next? And it's like, ultimately, I'm still going to watch. So, you know, like, I don't I don't know, like I I, what happens next. I think I, I think we all know where this season ends up, obviously, but. I don't know. I don't know where the next two or three episodes go. And that's exciting for me because I don't watch TV like this very often. My prediction is that by the end of the first season, there's going to be some rings forged. You think by the end of the first season, we're going to get that? I feel like it. At least the plan to forge them is going to be complete. We'll have that scene where Caleb Brimbor actually unravels that scroll and shows it to Elrond. Exactly. Yeah. You think that's how the end, the first season ends with him like looking at a ring like this with Mount Doom exploding in the background like this? Right. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. That's what it's going to be. Ooh. <laughs> if that's not it, I'll be surprised. I mean, again, like this, the show is, has to telegraph certain things, but. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm glad we're not making a lot of predictions because one of my most favorite things in the world was watching screen rant uh, just implode when they were doing um, recap shows for WandaVision. And it was just week after week after week. It was like, Mephisto is going to be showing up. Yeah. Mephisto's coming. Oh, here's another point. Oh, you see this? That means Mephisto. Mephisto's going to be here. Da, 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 da. And then when Mephisto didn't show up, I was just like, man, fuck you. <laughs> that's why it's like, I don't, that's why I don't want to traffic in that. It's like, it ain't, no. it ain't, it ain't fun for be- me. It ain't fun for you. Yeah. I have listened to plenty of Westworld podcasts where they spend half oh, the boy. time. Well, this is in the real world. And this is in, by the end of the season, it's like the yarn that you spun was much more interesting than the the one that the show did. Mm -hmm. And in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways, in a lot of ways that hurt my enjoyment of the show. 
you know, exactly. Which I, you know, the other thing I want to say about this show, they are definitely not asking me to wonder where they spent the money. Oh no. Those, no. some of those shots of them going into Numenor for fuck's sake, man, that is just stunning cinematography. There's no way they're shooting any of this stuff on a boat in a, in a Harbor. I mean, I'm just watching this going, this is all like fake stuff, but it looks so real, right? There's, they're not shooting this in a Harbor when they have people coming off of these boats and stuff, right? This is all fake. I would assume so. That's what I'm thinking. I think so. And it looks gorgeous. It all just looks them amazing. Out on the, out, uh, them out on the water. I was like, oh my God, this looks great. Yeah. When they're, when they're going on those ships, when Galadriel and Halbrand are on that ship mm-hmm. with uh, Elendil going into Numenor, it's like, oh my oh, God. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Like, yeah, this is setting, you know, we, we talked about the Mandalorian. I think we've talked about this like off recording, like the Mandalorian has kind of set, set the tone for, I think TV and like the quality of the effects and stuff, because Every episode of that first season of The Mandalorian is like a little movie. You know, the CGI quality is so crazy. But this show, I think, is going to be like, what show could ever be more expensive than this show at this point? Right? Like, really? Like, what show could do more CGI wise than this show is? Right, right. Game of Thrones doesn't like even when Game of Thrones was doing its end game stuff in its seventh and eighth season, even it wasn't even if it had had the budget of this show, we would have gotten the version of that show that we wanted. It's almost like game of Thrones ran into its budget problems when it needed to not, this show is never going to have that problem. (laughs) Amazon, like Jeff Bezos, clearly if the rumors online are to be believed that his nose is sticking into the Lord of the Rings ant pile, uh, He's he's probably never going to let this show alone and he will never make he will never let this show look like shit. That's for sure. And it hasn't so far. I mean, everything about this show production wise has been impeccable. If it doesn't win some awards for that alone, I will be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine they're going to be sweeping the award categories next year. Yeah, I would. I would hope so, because, man, from Bear McCreary's music, which is getting better with every episode. Uh to just the i mean again the visuals have been ramping up every episode but now when you have this approach into numenor it's the show is really flexing its visual muscles both the cgi aspects to it and just the the quality of where they're shooting i mean they're shooting in middle earth i mean new zealand is middle earth like i'm sorry like oh yeah you know like you see it and it's just like we're home folks like that's the way it feels like it's you know i don't know we talked about this a long time ago on your episode of your show the projection booth about the frighteners where they shot that movie in new zealand trying to be california it's like there's nothing you can do to take new zealand out of new zealand that look is just so when you watch something like dead alive you know, because that's set in New Zealand. Like uh-huh. that has that feel to it. But then when you watch something like Lord of the Rings, it's that same feel because Middle Earth, whether or not Middle Earth was being set in, you know, England and that's where it's supposed to be in the books, like it will always be New Zealand for me visually because it just looks it. It just looks it. Kind of makes me want to go to New Zealand. Same. Okay. The Hobbiton to go see. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That would be something else to see, I feel. On the next episode, we're going to be talking about episode 1.4. Gotta love those title names, man. Yeah, we were wrong about this episode. Maybe the next episode will be titled Mithril because I would assume the next episode we have to revisit the dwarfs. So I'm going to go two episodes without coming back to Elrond and the dwarfs. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it'll be titled Mithril Found. Oh, 
Yeah. With an exclamation mark. (laughs) Question mark. (laughs) (laughs) But until then, Chris, where can people find you? You can find me over at cstashu.com, C-S-T-A-C-H-I-W.com. That's my link tree. Go there for all the things that I work on. Mostly TV shows from the 70s involving old curmudgeon white men as cops. Yes. Yeah. And Mike is on those episodes, too, because we do those episodes together. Columbo, Barney Miller, you can find all that at cstashu.com. What about you, Mike? Where can people find you and your shows? Well, when I'm not being an old white curmudgeon detective from the 1970s, I am talking about movies at the Projection Booth, which you can find at projectionboothpodcast.com. Yeah. Until then, we want to thank everybody for listening. Come on back next week as we talk about that famous episode 1.4. And guess we're never getting titles for a baby. We're not getting those titles. So we'll, we'll talk about that next week on the Podcast of Power. 